Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Luke, which is in the New Testament. It's going to be three quarters of the way through a paper Bible. You can use your phone if you'd like. Luke chapter 4. Luke 4. And to get us started, I'm going to use a video clip. Yay! How it's been like a long time since I've used a video clip to get it started. So we're going to watch TV. Woo! Um, saw this story. The title of this little news story is Marathon Runner Hits the Wall. Okay, watch this. And boy, did we see an astounding performance yesterday at the Marathon in Austin, Texas. Here's Manuel Bajorquez. Almost done. Kenyan runner Yvonne Negetic had been in the lead for nearly 26 miles. The finish line was within sight when this happened. Overcome by exhaustion, Negetic fell onto her hands and knees, but kept going. race director John Conley was watching. I've seen athletes wobble and fall. I've seen athletes crawl across the finish line. But that story of her going 26 miles and then crawling the last 450 feet or so, uh, never seen anything like it. When the medical team rushed to help and offered a wheelchair, she refused. She's taking no for an answer. Keep on going, young lady. Negetich had still managed to come in third. Conley greeted her after the race. You ran the bravest race and crawled the bravest crawl I have ever seen in my life. Crawling the last 50 meters to the finish line. Negetic couldn't recall those final moments. For the last two kilometers, I don't remember. She did it! She made it! Running always, you have to keep going, going. Conley bumped up her cash prize. He says it was the least he could do. I've never heard our, our crowds that loud cheering for an athlete like, like that. It's I like mean, she won the race. She is the defining moment. Of... When I, I saw that, I had multiple thoughts. And, and Are you crying? Are you okay? Yeah, that's what I did. The first time I watched it, I, I was in my office going, <laughs> you look way better than I did. I was, uh, I, I, all kinds of emotions and thoughts. Um, but I decided to show it because I think it could be an example of someone that has an inner drive to get done what needs to get done. Um, you know, when they offered her a wheelchair to somehow to, to, to say, no, this is too important to not finish this race. Does that make just like too, too important? So I'm going to use it to raise a question. Is there something in your life, an area in your life that is so important. It's so important that if you fall, you would still crawl. Think about that. Is there an area, a responsibility, 
in your life where even if you fall, you would still crawl. One of the first things that I thought about was my uh, responsibility for my children. Uh, this last uh, fall, I um, had uh, four or five days that were very busy for me, probably as busy you know, sometimes your calendar will ramp up. It was as busy as I have ever been. Um, had seven, spoke seven different times and traveled to some locations. Drove a couple thousand miles in a few days. My last thing to do, and I, I knew when I signed up for it, it was going to be intense, but it was okay. My last thing was a six-hour conference in Columbus, Ohio, where I was the only speaker. So I spoke and taught for six hours. God, Columbus, Ohio is four or five hours away. So then on the way home, I felt a nudge from God to stop at an old friend's house that I hadn't talked to in a long time, so I spent a little time there. Long story short, by the time I got home, by 11 o'clock, I was kind of tired. Now, I wasn't on my hands and knees, you know, like <laughs> dragging into the house, but was fairly tired. And I came in, and one of the first things I noticed was my daughter was still up. She was downstairs watching TV or something. And... Um, I had a couple thoughts. One was, who cares? I'm going to bed. That, but that really was not most of my thought. And this has probably happened to me dozens, if not hundreds of times, because she is too important to not take care of. I remember walking in, pausing, and I had the one thought of, who cares? And I went, no, wait, I do. And walked downstairs. Took 15 minutes just to say, hey, by the way, just picture my daughter, our youngest. And she is too important for me not to finish. So I went down 15 minutes. You know, the conversation was not life-changing, but took 15 minutes to say, how are you doing? You can uh, take that picture off the screen because everybody's just looking at her and thinking, I wonder what kind of latte she's drinking. <laughs> Well, anyway, hold those thoughts. I'm using, trying to use that to introduce the idea of a calling. And I may interject throughout the talk, calling slash purpose. But here's the definition of a calling. It's a strong urge toward a particular way of life or career. And I might add to that responsibility. And I, I add a little more to the definition here. It's a direction or a conviction that cannot be denied because it's a calling. And even if people are saying, quit, or here's a wheelchair and just roll, you're like, not going to happen because I know I have to do this. And I would submit to you that one of the great, phenomenal characteristics of being a follower of Jesus and a characteristic of God is that he will clarify for us purpose in life. I, it's the second I appreciate, how do I say this? Best part about coming to know Jesus Christ is salvation, forgiveness of sin. In my life, second best thing is he helped clarify what in the world I'm doing on this planet. I am grateful for a God who helps us get clarity and shows us some things that we can, should, ought to, maybe even are destined to do. When I first began to explore this idea of calling and Christian calling and purpose in life, I had a, a friend 
uh, who used to say this about himself. I asked him, his name is Jay, and I, when I first got to know him, Jay, so what do you do for a living? And here was his answer. I heard him say this dozens of times. He said, I'm a follower of Jesus disguised as an auto body repairman. <laughs> and I still remember that from years ago because it, 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 it challenged me to go, whoa, because that's not the typical answer. But he was farther ahead in his walk with God than I was. And just him saying that challenged me to like, what am, what am I doing? If you contrast that idea of knowing a purpose or a calling, there's a very sad sentence in the book of Acts. I won't go through the entire background. Basically, a guy named Paul is preaching in a city and the city, some people are loving it. A lot of people are not liking the preaching about Christ. And so the city gets in an uproar, and people start attacking Paul, and everything gets kind of crazy. And it says in verse 29, the whole city was in an uproar, and all of them rushed into the theater together. And they're dragging Paul in there, and people are going, like, kill him, and all this stuff. It says the assembly was in confusion. Some people were shouting one thing some another, and this is a little sad sentence jerked out of the context of the Bible, but it says, most of the people did not even know why they were there. And can I just give you an, I think it's really easy in our world today to be, I mean, a lot of people are shouting about stuff and we're following the crowd or there's pressure to go here and there, but I think it's way too easy for us to really not even know why we're here. And the answer, the short answer to, to getting a grip on a purpose in life is God. It's, it's God. Turn to the person to your right and left and say, yep, it's God. That was really average. I won't do that again. But I'm just telling you, by the way, if you're uh, different, different seasons of life, there's probably three different categories of people in the room today. Some of us have a pretty clear picture of what God's called us to do. We're maturing in our faith. There's probably another group that we, we're getting some understanding of what that is, but we're really trying to develop that. There's another group. You may be, and I don't say this condemning you, or, but you may be in this crowd of people that are like, I don't even know why I'm here. Can I tell you, if you don't remember anything else I say today, get with God. Seriously, get with God. And he will help bring clarity and purpose in your life. So that's what we're exploring today. The title, uh, I'm sorry, our series is called The 167, Christian Life in the Real World. And today the big idea is to try to give us some principles on how we can know better our God-given purpose. So we're going to study a text where Jesus, in a group of people, this is early in his ministry, he shares uh, some Bible verses that describe his calling. And so it's in Luke chapter 4. This is very early in his ministry. He's in a public place, like in the, in the synagogue going to church. And so let's just read it starting in verse 16. It says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Pause. So they hand him the Bible. It's like a scripture reading at church. And he does this. Well, I don't know if he does that. But he, he like finds in the scroll, he's finding this specific scripture that he knows he is led to read in front of these people. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Title of the talk is Destiny Found, Finding My Purpose in a World of Possibilities. I want to look at two things that I just observed in the text that I think will help us kind of find our destiny or purpose. Let me pray. Probably most of us listening, God, here or Grape Road, most of us would love to have you reveal to us our purpose. So will you let the next few minutes help that come to pass? In Jesus' name, amen. I got to go pretty quickly this morning. So, so get ready. We're going to talk. The first thing we're going to talk about is, is a calling. And how do you figure out your calling? A calling may require recognizing God's, you can write in, ultimate authority. I'm going to talk about the recognition of God being, <laughs> I don't know why that came to mind, large and in charge. God's ultimate authority. Jesus uses a word at the beginning of this text where he says, the spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And we've heard that word, many of us, you know, hundreds of times, you know, praise the Lord and this and the Lord and all this. But it's important to know what that, what is involved when you say the Spirit of the Lord. And so here's the definition of Lord. And it means Lord, it means Master. And this was helpful and can be helpful. If you're figuring out who God is, it means a person exercising absolute ownership rights. So you could translate this. Jesus could have just as easily said, the spirit of the Lord who has absolute ownership rights has given me an assignment. Absolute ownership rights. The idea of God being large and in charge, the master, absolute ownership rights will greatly affect our walk with him and how easy it is to figure out our purpose. I was thinking about this in terms, now this might be a stretch for some of us because we often see God as, it's easy for us to see him as very interactive and kind, and, but can I just tell you, a lot, a lot of times he's kind of bossy. And if you know him well, he has the right to be bossy because he's the Lord and has ownership rights. I can't, there probably are some times. 
I could not easily think of a time in the Bible where God showed up in a person's life and a significant part of his conversation was, well, hi, Gary, what do you want to do? You ever thought about that? It's not what he does. The, the major characters of the Bible, Moses, when God interacted with Moses, he didn't say, well, Moses, what would you like to do? I can't think of a time where it's, what would you, uh, David. We're going to look at Saul, who ended up with a great purpose in life. Let's look at his interaction with God. In Acts chapter 19, Saul is going to become a Christian, and uh, God gives him a supernatural experience. Saul, before this, is persecuting the church and Christians, and Saul's on a road to a city called Damascus, and God jumps in the middle of it and shines this light and scares him and all that stuff. And in the midst of it, it says, uh, Saul asks, who are you, Lord? By the way, same word. Who are you, master, owner? And God says, uh, Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and we will have coffee and I would like to hear about your dreams for your life. I just, when I was reading this, I just noticed it says, go into the city and you will be told, you're going to be told what you must do. If you read the rest, by the way, the whole chapter, chapter 9, is great, just a great account of what God did. Later in the account, God calls a man named Ananias, because Saul does what he's told, he goes into the city and he waits for his next instruction. God calls a guy named Ananias to go and pray for Saul, whose name, Saul and Paul in the Bible are the same man. After an encounter with Jesus, Saul becomes Paul. But Ananias pushes back a little bit on God's clear direction. So uh, when God says to Ananias, I want you to go pray for Paul, Ananias says, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done. So my interpretation is Ananias is like, are you sure? Because Saul's like a bad guy and he's been killing Christians. And I just notice God's response to Ananias' pushback in conversation. He just says, go. I picture him being kind of, go. Go. Shh. Go. He doesn't say, well, yeah, I get what you're saying, and yeah, it could be a little scary for you. It's just, go! This man is my chosen instrument. So here you can write this in. It might help us remember. Neither Saul nor Ananias had much say in their assignment. And if we can get to that place where that's okay with our life, can I tell you, I would argue, doors of purpose will begin to open because God will know that you will be faithful and you're a child of his that knows how to obey whether you have all the information or not, whether it's, it falls in line with your plan for Sunday afternoon or not. 
I want to go on a, a little bit of tangent here. I just would try to humbly submit this to you. Beware, beware of the tendency in some uh, Christian circles or in just the world, I think, to sometimes overestimate or overemphasize the, the interactive nature of God. Now, listen, I'm a fan. I'm so glad that I get to have conversations with God. But let's not forget who the Lord and Master, the owner, is. Yes, there are Bible verses like Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down. We can put it on the screen, right? I think we have a part of it, right? I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. There's a lot of these wonderful, warm characteristic of God, right? And, you know, it's, it's like the Lord is my shepherd, and he, he lifts me up, and he pets my wool, and he makes sure I have a drink. And, but let's just be clear. The shepherd never asks the sheep, where do you guys want to go today? Hey, well, we're going to get, we're going to go out grazing. Let's have a powwow. Figure out. What do you think, Roscoe? <laughs> it's just he doesn't do that. The shepherd calls the shots on the direction of life. In Jeremiah 29, it's a, a verse that has a lot of hope, right? God says, I know the plans I have for you. We're going to focus on that declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Doesn't this look great? Prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. But we, you don't get to plans to give you hope in a future if you don't understand. We've got to get the plans that God has for us. Hey! <laughs> there is no guarantee. There is no guarantee of God's protection, God's prosperity, God's plans, God's wisdom if you are out doing your own thing and not paying attention to what God says. It doesn't, I mean, I would love it if that's the way it worked, but it is not the way it works. That scripture points to the plans God has for us. So I was trying to think back, when did I first begin to realize, you know, this lordship issue of submitting my life to God? When I became a Christian, I was 20 years old, and I quickly began to, I had been doing music a lot of my life, and I had a little bit of, Anybody ever want to grow up and be like a rock star or something like that? Anybody relate? No? Come on, you liars. Yes, you did. So, so I had done some music, and I liked to sing, and I was fairly okay at it. I even had a picture. Oh, by the way, what did I look like when I was 20? Here's a picture. I found this picture. That's me. Now, I've had a bunch of people go, that ain't you. Yes, it is. I had hair. And back then, I only had one chin. That's why it looks so different. <laughs> now I have two. Anyway, if you can, okay, you can take that away. If you can imagine, young guy. And so I was singing and doing some stuff and writing songs and, and you know, wanted to be a, woo, yeah, all this kind of thing. Uh, and I'll not forget the day I was spending an evening at church just all by myself and I was writing some songs and doing some worship stuff, and I was, was walking toward the back of the auditorium trying to interact with God. I would have been, if, if it were here, I'd have been over here somewhere about five rows back, and I would have been looking off to that side, talking to God about life, and 
And I remember when he interjected this thought in my mind. Oh, by the way, I had a guy uh, who wanted to pay for my first album, and he had sent me out to Colorado for this thing. And so, like, there was some movement in this, and God interrupted it. And he said to me, Mark, I do not need another Christian singer. That's what he said. And I'm like, well, but Lord, haven't you heard me? I'm pretty good. I didn't, I didn't say that. That was just a joke. But he, but it was a, but uh, can I just tell, tell you now, and I look back at that, and it, that moment of God bringing clarity and saying, I don't need a Christian singer. I need someone who will fo focus more on people than performance. And I'm like, by the way, how many know that's like a watershed defining moment in my life? And by God's grace and maybe some good coaching and some people around me and good pastoring and shepherding, I'm, I, I guess I'd like to say I struggled with it, but, but I didn't. I was just so glad. I was just so glad he told me what to do. I am so grateful to have a master who tells me what to do. So we can maybe wrap up this point with a, a question of just assessing of our own posture toward God. It's this. Am I living open-handed with my plans? I don't think it's wrong for us to have plans and, and, and those things, are we? But are we mostly saying... God, you're the, you have ownership in my life, and whatever you tell me to do, I will do. If you get that way, it's going to increase the amount of purpose in your life. Ah, hey, you got a challenge card. You've got one when you came in. Great road, grab your challenge card. I want to invite you to do something that May on Monday, that's tomorrow, February 10th, this is the challenge with the 167 show. It is take 15 minutes to write out your purpose, write out a purpose statement for your life. Can I just challenge everybody listening, everybody watching, will you please do that with God? Just give it your best shot. It does not have to be perfect. But just think, okay, God, why, why am I on this planet? And the best you can hear his voice, just write down, I'm here to, I did this when I was in my 20s, that same, the same four purposes still exist today. God's, God's called me to do four things. Love God, serve my wife, train my children, and grow this church. Now every once in a while I go back to him and I revisit. Lord, you want to you change it? And so far he said, nope. Keep doing that. Okay, so a calling may require recognizing God's ultimate authority. We're going to touch on one more thing. And by the way, the best part of the talk is over. That part was pretty, that was like, but I do want to touch on one other thing because there's some, some folks, some people in the room that this may be a word to you. And so the second idea is, a calling may require leaning into a large opportunity. And I just noticed in the text 
that Je- the scope of Jesus' vision was pretty big. When he says, I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind. If you bring that into today's terms, right now, folks, there are over 3 billion poor people in the world make less than $2.50 a day. Freedom for the prisoners, 9 million prisoners in the world today. Recovery of sight to the blind, 39 million estimates blind folks in the world. So what I'm talking about here is Jesus' purpose statement was going after a big group of people and trying to affect their life. By the way, it goes on to say, uh, to like release the oppressed. I'm like, that's like everybody. Who's not? So big plans. So I want to just nudge or challenge those of us who, I want to direct this toward those of you who are committed and you have, you are developing your spiritual maturity. All right? Some of you, you've been a Christian three years, 13 years, 20 years, and here's the challenge. If you can figure it out, go big. Just go big. Don't just decide you're going to share the gospel with that one person that God's given you a heart for, but figure out how you might share the gospel to with with people, not just the person. Or you want to serve a poor person? How about figuring out how we might be able to impact the poor population? Is that, it's, it's kind of a transfer from, Jesus didn't say, he's anointed me to proclaim good news to a poor person. He said to the poor, and I'm making that into a population. This doesn't diminish the idea of just being faithful in all the little things. There's a very important verse in Luke 19, 17. It comes after a parable. And the master says, Well done, my good servant, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Be trustworthy in whatever is right in front of you. But for those that are trustworthy in the small matter, it goes on, this part of the parable, then he says, Take charge of ten cities. If you have it in you and are open to it, can you pray prayers like, okay, God, I'm trying to be faithful in the little things, but I am willing. I am willing to take on more responsibility, sometimes more burden, to go bigger. Last story. A guy in our church, his name's Ray... Rankin. There's Ray. Um, let's see. Known Ray for a while, but a few months ago, uh, I, I was aware of an individual in the church who was having car, uh, she was having car trouble. And how many you know for some folks, we're doing okay financially and we have savings and stuff, but with as, as expensive as car things are today, if you're just trying to make ends meet and living paycheck to paycheck, this car trouble thing can really throw a wrench in the, a wrench. Did you hear that? Like a wrench. That was an accident. Um, can throw a wrench into the process. Because a car thing oftentimes can be, it's not just $38.95. It's $360 bucks or it's 700 right? So became aware, 
she talked to me, called, my car died. And um, long, long story short, I was talking to somebody else, and I'm not great with cars, and they said, call Ray Rankin. And then somebody, call Ray Rankin, call Ray Rankin. So I called Ray Rankin. And, uh, and again, to sum up the story, I called Ray. Ray said, what's going on? I said, this is what's going on. I had, I had some extra cash. He had the skills. And by 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock that night, this young lady who was really going to struggle, how am I going to get to work, how am I going to, was, it was all fixed, okay, because of Ray's skills and gifting. But, now let's fast forward. Well, first of all, let me tell you a little, about it, a little bit of his story. He grew up in his, his family's auto repair shop. Um, about seven years ago, he got serious about God. By the way, that's an important part of the story. He just started getting serious about God. He started doing Bible study. He was taking classes. He's coming to church all the time. He was growing in his walk with God. And in the midst of that, he realized, this is, these are his exact words he told me uh, on the phone two days ago, I think. He said, I realized God has wired me to fix stuff. It's like God's wired me to fix stuff. Now, here's the part of where his willingness to be faithful may go bigger. Just a couple weeks ago, I sat in a room with a half a, half a, dozen, half a dozen other individuals, and here's what we're exploring, and Ray's running point on this. We have some plans to build a little pole barn to take care of the lawnmower and stuff here at the church. What if we added a little more space and put, made a little shop area with a car hoist and stuff. What if we did that and invited other individuals with some mechanical skills to offer, ready? To gather a team of mechanically inclined individuals offering economical automotive repair to the financially needy in the name of Jesus. That sound cool? Does that sound cool? Now, God willing, you'll be hearing more about this. But do, I, do you see how you never know when your faithfulness, your development, when your submission to the Lord, he may bubble up something, and this is the challenge. He may bubble up something, and he may look at you and say, I need you to go bigger. You know God's heart for the three billion people around the world, which is now like eight, seven billion, you know he still has the same heart when Jesus said, and he's looking for people who will step up. Last fill in the blank. Am I willing to take my next step in my ultimate calling? And then just right out to the side of that, absolutely. Let's do that. Now, before we close, there are, especially for those of us who are just exploring calling and purpose in life, there are two opportunities at the church that you should go to. One is at Grape Road. It's called Soup and Spiritual Gift. It's just an hour and a half meeting where you can begin to explore. Well, how's God wired me? I would go to that, and then I would take this uh, multiple-week class that's happening at Jackson Road, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. If you do that, you will come away with more clarity on your purpose in life. So sign up for those things. They're coming this spring. 
there we go. Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.